Welcome to the Remarkable Relationship Show with Mercy Russell, where we find the wonder in your story. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 35 years of experience applying the science of relationship systems to my practice of psychotherapy and leadership consulting. My intuitive skills allow me to bring clarity and vision to your challenges. I hope you will be surprised in the next hour. Good morning. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. My goal is to bring a fresh perspective to you on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. In my 40 years of working as a psychotherapist and consultant, I have been continually amazed at the ways in which people overcome challenges. I hope to share my experience and insights so you can find the magic in your relationships. So my guest today is my sister, Mary Russell, the owner of Journeys Out Yonder, a nature-based education early childhood education program in Boulder, Colorado. As she tells the story of the evolution of her life's passion into a purposeful, joyful career, we will explore what she learned from her students in the public education system and outdoors. Embedded in her story is her growth in becoming a confident, independent woman secure in herself and nurtured by the love of her students and their families. She will share her philosophy of nurturing children to follow their natural curiosity while becoming confident as learners and explorers. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Mercy. Yeah, so great to have you here. I, I, we were just, Mary and I were chatting a little bit before the show and I, um, just to say, I'm a little nervous. I think it's because, um, you know, we, this is such a close relationship. Um, I'm just going to mention, just to get this off my, you know, um, chest, so to speak, is that Mary's backdrop, for those of you who are watching this on the YouTube channel, is a photograph of the of our family home that we all grew up in, in northeastern Vermont. So um, it's a really beautiful image for me. So. Um, Mary, I just, yeah, I think I explained why I invited you here. I want, you know, you, I want to have a chance um, to talk with you about uh, the evolution of your career and your deep interest in nature-based education and the quality of your relationships with your students. Um, I, I think today, perhaps, I'd like to start, as you and I have talked about, with um, I'd like you to say anything you'd like to do to introduce yourself, but then start with just your childhood and how the roots of, you know, how your interests and career developed. Well, I think in my field, I don't, I'm not unique. Most of us who are in the field of nature-based um, preschool programs and forced kindergartens all were um, children who were allowed to play freely outdoors. And um, up in the Northeast Kingdom in our town, um, we were surrounded by just, you know, trees, fields, rivers, 
um, mountains and um, with six children, I think I was allowed to go outdoors and play freely just because it made it easier for mom, you know, mm-hmm. to have us outdoor playing. And all the neighbors, um, all the houses around us were filled with kids, you know, back in the 60s. Um, there were big families and a lot of mm-hmm. children. And so I think that's where it all started is just that was natural for me. And I was, I felt total freedom, um, even as young as five, six years old, just playing freely outdoors with friends. And I guess, you know, what I'd like to mention is that this, where we grew up, this house is on Main Street in the middle of town, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a town of about, it was about eight or 9,000. And so it wasn't like we were on a farm or out in fields. Um, and, but we were in a neighborhood where there were a lot of other families with, chil- with a, quite a few children. There were six of us and the, most of the families had a number of children. Um, you and I were different cohorts, really, because right. I'm nine years older than you. But you and so the, your, your tribe were sort of the younger siblings. But this was right. kind of a unique time in this town. So to be outdoors was was also to be in town, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't, you know, we weren't just wandering around in rivers, right? So right. it was very place-based as you've talked about. Right. Um, so just tell me a little bit, you were, you know, I've been learning about Mary. This is, I think, a really interesting part of interviewing your own family is that you really have identified the, time when uh, a new family moved in next door as the beginning of the kind of role you started to play in this neighborhood Mm -hmm. with the children. Um, Can you tell us about Jan? (laughs) Sure. So um, I think I was six or seven years old and a new family with three children moved in right next door. Um, Their house was actually right beside our barn, the garage in the backyard. And Jan um, was a young girl. She's a couple of years younger than me. And um, she came, I went over and met the family and Jan became like my little sister. I was the youngest of four sisters. um, Mm -hmm. And I only had one younger sibling who probably had just been born. And she became my little sister, my playmate. And um, She followed just like a little sibling would. Um, She went everywhere with me. So that's really when I felt like I became a big sister. And I wouldn't say I was a leader of my friends, but I became very good at directing them, especially on the snow pile. We had a huge snow pile um, because we had a big driveway. And um, I remember winters playing outdoors because mom let us go out or made us go outdoors no matter what the weather was we just dressed right for it and we played on that um, snow pile and Jan and Timmy and Tyler and Sean so it was a family of four sorry and um, other friends came over and we used that snow bank as our castle Mm -hmm. I think many times I felt I was the queen of the castle. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I, I remember also were just troops of bicycles in the yard. Mm-hmm. And I think what um, the way 
I remember you is not, it was sort of what, what I call, I would have called you the Pied Piper, right? Is that um, from all, you know, several blocks away, um, you know, the peers, not only of you, but of the heirs of Jan and her family would start to gather. And you were always organizing, you know, expeditions. Right. Out in, you know, into the neighborhood. And then even when you got to be in high school, you had a kind of a similar role that you talked about to me about um, having a, a, a group of friends and you were the driver. I always drove. Right. I, I even, yeah, in high school, I could only go out one night a week and I had to be home at a certain time. And I think the only way I could rely on getting home on time is if I drove. Mm -hmm. um and I didn't and I became the responsible driver mm -hmm. the designated mm -hmm. driver and even now when I go back to high school reunions <laughs> designated driver <laughs> well yeah. also just to you know mention to people that so in this town when teenagers went out they got into cars and drove around on back roads Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, maybe up and down Main Street a few times to see who was what was going on, check out the school at the other end of the street. But so there was always this feeling of, OK, we're going to go out and we're going to find something to do out there. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, that was common to all of us. But you had a real central role, you know, with your friends in that also. Um, now, when you and I talked about how. So then tell us a little bit about what happened when you went to college, because you took this interest in, in the outdoors. You're, you know, you were a skier um, and you played a variety of sports. We all did. Mm -hmm. But then when you went to college, you, you, you used one direction in terms of just, you know, organizing people to be outdoors to be active as a, because you majored in recreation management. Right. Right. And tell us a little bit about that. And then what, how you decided that wasn't for you. Well, I first majored in, um, yeah, recreation management, which is really managing parks, national parks, state parks. And I wasn't really aware of that. And a lot of my first, my two years of academics, um, I did not do well. I was um, academically challenged, I would say, and um, I think it probably was based on the fact that I really didn't want to be a park ranger. I didn't want to plan parks. So I took a year off, went to Alaska, um, and worked in the University of Alaska's intramural sports program, which was all based around organizing sport activities for college students. And um, I finished up that year just taking some odd courses and went back to the University of Vermont the next year. And lo and behold, they had started a intramural or recreational sports degree program mm -hmm. in, the, in the education program. So I jumped right to change majors, um, aced the next two years, and graduated um, with a degree in education. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really all about sports that I wanted to um, work in. 
mm-hmm. both as an athlete. Um, I wasn't anything fantastic, but I just enjoyed playing outdoors. And all the sports I played were outdoor sports, swimming outdoors and skiing um, later on, inline skating. And um, it wasn't the indoor basketball or volleyball. So, mm-hmm. um, um, yeah. So after college, you, I don't know what the timeline was here, mm-hmm. but you, you ended up back in the Northeast Kingdom and living in the farmhouse that our parent, our grandparents had summered in. Right. Um, and that was another time. That was a time when, um, were you working at Linden State also then? Yes. In yeah. uh, 1986, I got a job at a college just north of St. Johnsbury, Linden State College. It's a university now. And I got a, three different jobs there. One was teaching athletics. I taught archery. I taught skiing and I taught swimming. Um, I also ran the intramural sports department and I also coached the women's softball team, mm-hmm. which was a complete fail because um, I never played softball. I played baseball uh-huh. and that's quite different. And um, that one year working at Linden State, I decided um, that's not what I wanted to do. And um, they had an elementary education certification program. And I um, was also hired to run our local St. Johnsbury, the pool you and I grew up swimming in, taking swimming lessons. And um, I discovered it was probably elementary education that I would be best at. Right. And then you also had this kind of informal, um, again, I call it the Pied Piper aspect of you. You started kind of having, I guess, what some of the children thought was a camp. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, children of friends of yours, my son mm-hmm. um, and other children would come up to the farmhouse and, and you would organize activities for them. I uh, didn't really organize. That's where I first I just they came up. Friends dropped them off uh-huh. up to four or five children and they were all friends, these children. And we just played. And, you know, the farmhouse sit on, sat on, sits on top of a hill overlooking, I mean, you can see the White Mountains of New Hampshire from there. That's how high up it is. And across the field were huge open fields with really no trees except for some apple trees. And the backyard had a lot of apple trees and a big forest. So I didn't really organize. And that's probably where it started, where letting children just play play freely, give them the space to play. And I was there as as a woman once explained to me, facilitated by giving them the space to play freely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because children know how to play. Right. Um, So... I just going to keep jumping ahead because there's, yeah. you know, and there's you there you've done so many interesting things and it's all added up step by step, but I just want to get to the, what's really the heart of what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, you then moved to Colorado and tell us, you know, I think for, tell us a little bit about where you're, what you had your, your teaching certification, you got it in Colorado, but then mm-hmm. what, what did you do when you first got to Colorado? So I drove to Colorado in the summer of 91, and I was actually headed to Jackson Hole to work at um, 
the ski resort there, but I came through Colorado and stopped to visit two childhood friends. These are the friends that used to come to my house as a child and we'd go play in the neighborhood. One lived in Denver, one lived in Vail. And on the way to Vail, um, I stopped at Keystone and interviewed for a job and got a job at Keystone. So I stayed in Colorado, kind of felt comfortable being in a state where I had two childhood friends. I didn't know anybody in Jackson Hole, so I didn't continue. And um, for the next 10 years, I worked um, at ski resorts at night and I skied during the day. So it was a way for me to play mm-hmm. for free um, while working. Mm-hmm. So then you moved to Wyoming. You got married. I got married. <laughs> yeah. We won't tell that story, but I love the story. You, you, how you met your husband. Playing. It was playing. It was but just anyway, playing. Yeah. 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 But you went to Wyoming and there, tell, mm-hmm. and then your career. You know what? I think it's about time for us to take a break. So okay. we're going to take a, a, a short break now. And when we come back, we're going to um, sort of dive into the beginning of Mary's um, sort of deeper experiences with, with education. This is Mercy Russell with a Remarkable Relationship Show. My guest is my sister, Mary Russell, talking about uh, her love of nature-based education and children. And we'll be back in a couple minutes. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Hi, tune in to my new show, The Remarkable Relationship Show, with me, Mercy Russell. I bring a fresh perspective on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m., and you can visit my website at leadershipwithmercy.com. You pledged your life to serve, to make our country stronger, safer, more free, more equal. You worked tirelessly, made sacrifices, missed first steps and birthdays, lost loved ones. At VA, we don't see the setbacks endured. We see lessons applied and passion driving you upward and forward. We don't see all the masks you wear, but we hope you can set some aside. We embrace your uniqueness and won't trivialize your past, your fears, or your hardships. We can't promise to heal all wounds or wash away all trauma, but we do see hope, a path forward, a future. We see all veterans. We see you. An opportunity to help you achieve a new mission, whatever that may be. Learn how treatment works and recovery is possible. Visit maketheconnection.net. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. Good morning. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. And today I'm speaking with my sister, Mary Russell, 
who's the owner of um, Journeys Out Yonder, a nature-based preschool um, and uh, uh, education program for children. Um, and we've just been talking about Mary's kind of early years and uh, as she it, it, and how it formed the base for her diving into this field. So where we left off, Mary was you know working as a um, we called it in the family a ski bum <laughs> in Colorado, and then she married um, and moved to Wyoming. Um, and um, there, um, your career took a different turn. So, right. can you tell us about that? Um, so I started out um, just working at a hotel, and um, that didn't last long. And interviewed to be a mentor with big brothers big sisters and after the interview um that evening i got a call from the director and she asked if i wanted her job <laughs> she didn't want it and she thought i would make a good director for big brothers big sisters because that program the mentoring is really based on forming friendships and that's it adult and child friendships not tutoring not instructing. And that really fit my mode of just being friends with kids. Um, so I did that for the next two years. Um, and the one-on-one -on -one mentoring is what most people know about Big Brothers, Big Sisters. But another big part of Big Brothers, Big Sisters is their group mentoring. And I found little success within the first six months of getting one-on-one -on -one mentors. And I realized um, in this small town, probably only 3,000 people in South Central Wyoming, that there wasn't a whole lot, there was no recreation center. There wasn't a lot of activities for children in that town to do. And there were a lot of kids in the town. So with the agreement of the Wyoming director, I started an after-school program um, through Big Brothers Big Sisters, and that was 20 years ago, and it's still going strong today. And um, I just recruited adults to come and mm -hmm. spend time with kids mm -hmm. in the center. Mm -hmm. So during this time, you also, I mean, you were still carrying around your certificate as a teacher. Yes. And yeah. but choosing not to teach and not to work in the education system. Right. And when you were in Wyoming, you also sort of stumbled across some pedagogy or philosophy of education or approach to education that was that you hadn't learned about when you were getting your when you were in school. Well, that was actually in Colorado before I moved to Wyoming. Uh-huh. Well, the constructivist, but can right. you tell us about that philosophy? Constructivism. Yeah. yeah. The philosophy of constructivism is that children will construct their own learning based on them being able to spend time learning about something they are passionate about. Uh-huh. So children can construct their own learning centered around what they're passionate about. And all children are passionate about something. And uh, for example, Mariah was a first grader. Um, I got a job at a, a one-room schoolhouse before I moved to Wyoming. And mm -hmm. right after I got married, I moved to a small town in Western Colorado 
where there weren't ski areas for me to continue being a <laughs> ski bum. So I got a job as a one-room schoolhouse teacher at a constructivist-based school. And Mariah is a perfect example. She loved cats. So she learned everything she could about cats by reading. She actually spent a week with a vet and learned to dissect, you know, cat died and she helped dissect cats and she was a first grader. Mm -hmm. She um, read about cats, wrote about cats, learned the science of cats. She drew cats. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, that's what constructivism is. Right. And that, um, you know, I think in many ways, it also made sense for you based on your experience in school too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So once you, you knew you were a different student when Mm -hmm. what you were studying was really part of your passion, right. Which is, you know, I think true for many students. Um, So after after Wyoming, you then moved back to Colorado to Glenwood Springs, mm-hmm. and um, there once again you had some different roles in the community. Yeah, yeah, I got a job uh, with the community development department for the city of Glenwood Springs as their admin assistant, and um, I thought the job with the word community in it had something to do with community recreation, but it didn't. It's building and planning departments, Mm -hmm. helping people build their homes or, you know, planned use developments. And it was kind of an embarrassing moment in the interview. Um, But after they told me what it was, I'm like, well, I could do that. So (laughs) this kind of goes along with if I'm interested in something and I always am interested in learning something new, um, I can do that. Just mm-hmm. teach me how to do it. And I can do that. Right. And then after a number of years, you began teaching again in the Roaring Fork mm-hmm. district. Right. Roaring Fork school district was where I was living. Uh-huh. And, um, I thought I'd give it a try. I wanted to have more of a stable income. And I thought having a job, I never had a salary before. Um, All my work really had been hourly. So it was kind of a step I was taking into the adult world (laughs) growing up. Uh So I got a job with the local school district as a substitute because I was interested in any kind of age, any age. And I was certified up until eighth grade. So I substitute taught and in schools throughout the whole district in eight, all ages, all subjects. Mm-hmm. And then you eventually um, became, you eventually became a, a fifth grade science teacher right. in Carbondale, right? And you were there for five years. I was. Right. Um, I started, yeah. I got hired by a principal in a school that I had substitute at and then got a full-time job um, as the severe needs teacher in that school, because there was a need for it, because I kept subbing for the teacher that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And after a while, someone said, well, why don't you just apply for the job? Mm-hmm. So I applied. And so for half a year, I worked at Carbondale Middle School as a severe needs teacher. And I loved the school. It was one big happy family. And that was really influenced by the principal who treated all mm-hmm. of us 
both the students. So he's the best example of like building relationships and the equity piece of like what I learned in my master's. Between teachers and students, everybody felt empowered and just to do their best. And I wanted to be part of that. And the year after I started working there, they decided to add fifth grade to the middle school. Um, and I wanted to be the science teacher because I figured that would be the best way to integrate the outdoors and mm -hmm. the and the community into my teaching. Uh-huh. And then so really about the same similar same time you started your master's program. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about that? Well, let's not worry about the timing, but it's okay. about that. It's around that right. time. So right. you, mm -hmm. a lot of the starting my master's had to do with the pay grade, the way that teachers are paid. Every time you get more credits, every 10 credits, you get a bump up in your pay scale. So to get a bump up in my pay scale, I had to get a master's because I had maxed out um, my pay grade. And so I started looking at master's programs that did not require me to take GREs um, and that I could use my life experience. Because by this time, I was um, 48 years old. And hmm. um, I found a program at Antioch University in New England called Educating for Sustainability. And at the time, back in 2009 and 10, didn't really know what that term meant. Now it's pervasive. And I looked more at the program and applied for the program. And it was only for teachers who were working full-time. So this is a program Antioch has for experienced educators. And I applied for the program, got glowing recommendation from my principal. Mm -hmm um and enrolled so can you tell us a little bit more about um there are two things i want to really yeah. focus on because this was really a turning point mm -hmm. was just number one sort of just what um the fundamentals of um educating for sustainability are and then your introduction to your mentor state david stobel sobel and mm -hmm. place-based education sure so educating for sustainability is the integration of the three E's, equity, environment, and economy. And the equity piece is building relationships and empowering others. The environmental piece is knowing and loving place. And the economy piece is the exchange of goods. And... So for two years, learning how to integrate, no matter what subject you taught, no matter what age group mm -hmm. you taught. I was a fifth grade science teacher. There was another um, man who taught third grade, just traditional public school, third grade, or uh, private school. There was a high school, two high school biology teachers, um, another early elementary teacher. Um, and also a, a music teacher. So no matter the subject, you can integrate the three E's. So that's what mm -hmm. we were learning to do. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about yeah. your research, that the research you did for that degree? Right, my last <clears throat> year um, was conducting research and I chose to um, 
I chose four schools in the Roaring Fork Valley from Aspen to Basalt, Carbondale to Glenwood. And one was parochial, one was private, one was public, and one was a charter school. And my, I asked the question, how do middle school teachers integrate place-based, um, the outdoors into their curriculum? And after my research was completed and I'm looking at my notes and what I had learned, and I interviewed teachers and I asked them what they did to take their students outside the classroom and the impacts that had on the content that they were teaching and the relationships um, children are having with your content and how they were learning. And what I learned from my research is that the equity piece of sustainability, the building relationships and empowering others has the greatest impact on students when you take them out of the four walls of their classroom and they have to engage in the environment, not only the natural environment, but the people who are in the environment in their community. And that really kind of set up a light bulb for me is that the most important part of education is, is helping children become part of the community where they live. And that's where they thrive. Um, that's what the, the teachers noticed also is that their students, no matter if it was a PE class going to the Aspen Recreation Center to do, I mean, there was, there's lots of stories, anecdotes teachers talked about. Mm -hmm. And one was, you know, students waiting on a climbing wall, sitting on the mats. And she noticed how the students just engage with other students that they normally wouldn't talk to in their normal social circles. Mm -hmm. But when they're in their class sitting on a mat, it's almost like they're forced to talk to who's next to them. And that really stood out for her. Um, mm -hmm. So when you take children out of their normal learning environment, which is a classroom for public education, you know, social circles start breaking down. Mm -hmm. Children become more comfortable and they have the opportunity um, to build relationships. That they might not have otherwise. That might not, right. they might not have otherwise. Yeah, I think right? that's really interesting, you know, of those three fast you know of facets of mm -hmm. what it takes to get to, you know getting out of the classroom that the equity piece you know is yeah. really emphasized now you also then um studied with a man named david sobel and i'd like you to talk about that for a bit before our next break so david sobel was one of my professors um and he taught the first class i took um at antioch that summer and it's called um, Childhood in Nature. And he's written multiple books on place-based education. And his main focus is connecting children with the environment around them. And I had never first thought about working with younger, early, you know, um, younger elementary mm -hmm. kids, um, especially, you know, I'd never thought about going below kindergarten. And um, I never even heard of him. There were other people in my class who were huge fans. But as I engaged with him as an instructor and read his books, everything 
spoke to everything I believe, everything he wrote spoke to everything I believed in and that I had experienced mm -hmm. um, as someone who was engaged a lot with children in different situations. And um, so over those two years, you know, he taught a couple other classes as well. And he's actually an advisor for a number of programs all over the country. And one of them is actually here in Boulder mm -hmm. um, where he's an advisor. So it's time for our next break. And when we come back, I want you to then sort of just really take us into um, <clears throat> your, you know, place-based and nature-based programming and education. And you can tell us some of the experiences you've had along the way. But, and I also really want to focus on your on your business today and the programs that you run mm -hmm. under Journeys Out Yonder. This is Mercy Russell with a Remarkable Relationships show. I'm talking today with my sister, Mary Russell, who's a, a place-based, nature-based educator and um, adventurer. And uh, I'll look forward to talking to you when we return. We all make promises, big and small tested over time and distance, tried by circumstances and decisions. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance. To help you when you're in need. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. To be considerate and caring, courageous and strong. For better, for worse, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish, to be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. Hi, tune into my new show, the Remarkable Relationship Show with me, Mercy Russell. I bring a fresh perspective on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. And you can visit my website at leadershipwithmercy.com. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Hello, this is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. Today I'm speaking with my sister, Mary Russell, and her, um, uh, her journey um, into her um, current program and focus in love, which is nature-based preschool and kindergarten um, education. So Mary and I over the break were just talking about how she finished her master's degree in um, 
the in you know the education of the stain of sustainability and then really became impassioned about this nature-based program nature-based and place-based education philosophy mm -hmm. so after a break um, from your teaching job you then took uh you worked in your first wall kinder I mean, could you explain to us what a wall kinder is and you know tell us about that journey i want to get move along pretty quickly so you can talk about sure. what it is your program today so volkinder i worked i got a job working as a five-year-old teacher in the carbondale volkinder adventure preschool and it's based on the german volkinder which means forest children um pedagogy that's persistent throughout the country of Germany and it's outdoors all day children spend their outdoors all day and that's from you know as young as two and three years old right who was oldest seven and we were as we were talking about earlier my granddaughters in a sort of nature-based type preschool and I was saying, but of course they come inside for meals and naps. Mm -hmm. The Mary goes, not in Germany, not yeah. in the Waldkinder, not in the Western. Yeah, they're Finland. outdoors. Yeah, Finland, Norway, they have these Waldkinder outdoor programs, and they're outdoors napping in the winter. Uh huh. And right. eating, right? And eating. Uh huh. So um, you then, so you, how long you you were at that school and? For, um, mm -hmm. You know, just for, for one year, uh -huh. I thought, um, and the woman who hired me, her daughter was in my um, learning cooperative, my one-room schoolhouse, and she had started, she's a family therapist, mm -hmm. and she had started Volkinder um, and asked me to teach for her, and I taught for her for one year, um, and then she stopped with the, the five-year-old group. So I spent a year just kind of, I worked at a, an Aspen outdoor center. Mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of that year, I responded to a Facebook request to go to Italy and volunteer for three months to help a woman who owned a preschool, indoor preschool, start a nature preschool. And I thought with all my years of experience, and she wanted an English, uh, American English speaker. So I went to Germany, or I went to Italy for three months and helped Vito transition from an indoor preschool. And now she runs her own outdoor nature-based preschool mm -hmm. on property. That you, yeah, that you helped her start. Now, when you returned, you mm -hmm. then had an episode of working with infants right and i'm you know just really curious about how yeah. that you know um of course i've always been interested in how that uh you yeah. know continued your evolution in your relationship with children and parents again as i continued to pursue different fields of ed education um i returned to colorado ended up in or decide to stay in Boulder. And I immediately looked for jobs and I found a job advertised for a preschool teacher at a local childcare center, interviewed for the job, got an offer to work with the infants. And I told them I've never, I, I don't have children. 
I've never spent any time with infants. And they're like, that's okay, we'll teach you. So I kind of took a leap and um, spent the next amazing year learning about working with infants mm. and created these really deep relationships with infants that I didn't really understand as someone who wasn't a mother. And um, I kind of get it now. Uh-huh. The kind of attachment <laughs> that people yeah, have with their children. And well, also with the families, with the parents, because uh-huh. I was bringing to my work, my belief in risk-taking, you know, you only grow and progress because that's a big part of nature-based um, education is um, understanding the difference between managing risks and avoiding hazards. So it didn't you know, it didn't fly that well in a licensed indoor preschool is the risk-taking factor of what I'm familiar with. Um, But the parents liked it. The parents liked it when I brought their children outdoors on the lawn, um, in the grass, you know, with leaves and sticks, Mm. rocks. and, um, And I only worked there for a year and then got hired at another preschool to run an outdoor program right and you had so then you had a couple of years of working for other people who had programs that you know either were already out nature-based or trying to move in that direction Mm -hmm. um and then um you decided to branch out and start your own program but you had a very interesting experience Mm -hmm. you had gone up to you had been working in another town in Ridgeway and you were contemplating what to do next and Mm -hmm. you received um you received a communication from one of your former parents right and I you know and I think that then catapulted you into what you're doing now right that's what set me off on this path So tell us about it. So for years, people tell me to run my own program. No, I'm not going to run my own business. I'll just work for other people. And I'm sitting having coffee one morning at my friend's house who I was staying with. COVID hit. All the schools were shut down and I was staying with friends. And I get a text from Jenny, who's the mother of Ayla, who sent me a video and she pointed out of a final year project of Ayla, who was a kindergartner at the time, for every year of her life, and she was only five, um, or six, five going on six, she identified year four as when she met Miss Mary and became a nature kid. And Jenny was like, please come home, (laughs) calling Boulder home. Uh So it was instantaneous. I knew that's what I needed to do. I knew I wanted to start joy journeys out yonder, but I didn't know where. And then I got this text and families wanted me back in Boulder to spend time outdoors with their kids. Cause the schools were all closed. And right. yeah. Yeah. COVID it was the perfect opening yes. for yeah everything you'd been working on almost your whole life right outdoors was the Mm -hmm. safest place to be and it fit perfectly with what I'd always believed was the best place to be for children And and you took the leap to start your own business 
Mm -hmm. I contacted a former employer who connected me with her accountant, and that was seamless, is getting my business started through the help of someone else who knows how to start businesses. And I had the expertise in the nature-based world of education. And I had connections down here and parents just talked to parents. And within two weeks, I had a place to live and I started Joy. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your program and how it how it how it works like um mm -hmm. you know what how how you where you know where you meet with children mm -hmm. what you and the children do um you just give us a taste of it you sure. know i think we have an idea of being outdoors but tell right. us more about how your days go you don't have a location so you I don't, don't have a location i have um i have all of boulder county and we have open space and parks and parents upon my emails telling them where to meet me with their children. They meet me with their children at nine in the morning in a park or a forest and drop their kids off and their children have their backpacks filled with their lunch, their extra clothes, water, any other little tools like magnifying glasses or binoculars. And they spend the day with me and we explore that certain location. Sometimes it's near water and they bring their water toys. Um, all I bring is my backpack with my own lunch. And I have my first aid kit. I'm, you know, uh, um, wilderness first aid and I have CPR first aid and years of experience outdoors. And I just create the environment for them to play freely and explore. And we often bring hammocks. Hammocks are our individual rest spots. So we will always find a place to hang hammocks. And I consider where we go based on the environmental conditions. If it's really hot out, we tend to be in the forest because it stays cool. In the winter, if it's cold but sunny, we'll stay out in the exposed areas. Um, we don't do a whole lot of hammock play in the winter time. Parents then just come pick up at the end of the day. And so the first summer of joy was in 2020 during COVID mm -hmm. and masking was very popular. Um, children were required to have a mask with them and then they chose to wear it or not. No one ever got COVID under my watch in two years. Um, it was really only after they went back into the classroom that mm -hmm. that started happening. So the summer of 2020, all the way through the spring of 2021, I um, provided free out, not free, but free play outdoors for children in different areas of Boulder County um, and with small groups, only at maximum of six children. And then the summer of 2021 continued um, with summer camps, same six to eight children I got up to, and school came back into session full time. Mm -hmm. And so I adapted. And instead of running full day programs for preschoolers, 
or school age children, I started running after school programs, which is what I do now, mm -hmm. five days a week in two different schools, one in Boulder, one in Louisville, Colorado, I run after school programs. And that's the crux of my school program uh -huh. right now, is the after school and summer camps. So we have a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess one of the things that's based probably what interests me and what I've been learning about, I have to say that this is a really, uh, it, you know, in terms of family relationships, I think it's, I've learned a lot about my sister and um, in preparing for this interview and also getting to know more, even though I was alongside a lot of these things that, was, that were happening, I still didn't have the picture. But we have a couple minutes left. Um, what is it? What else would you like to share with the audience mm -hmm. about the importance of your experience and and what you do with children? Well, I think one thing that sums it up is in 2014 at Volkinder, I was driving because um, at that program we had vans where we drove kids to out of town places. And I remember driving up to a place called Spring Gulch with four of my students and I'm driving and they're all in the back seat in their childcare seats, just having these in-depth conversations with each other. And these are four, these are five-year-olds. And there was a break in the conversation. And I said, wow, I have the best job in the world. And there was a pause. And one student, I think it was Dylan said, Ms. Mary, what is your job? And that's when I realized they just, I mean, I've done it. I've, I've succeeded in the fact that I'm a friend to these kids. They don't see me as someone who is working. I'm just living my life. Mm -hmm. And that's to me, what's really important. I think for all adults who do have relationships with kids is that you be a friend to them. Um, mm -hmm. Turn off your cell phones, be present. And that's what I've learned from working with children mm -hmm. in this environment of I follow them. They're the leaders. When we walk places, they lead. I follow. So that, <laughs> that sort of wraps us around to the very beginning when you were, you know, I call you the Pied Piper, but you were part of the gang. And but you've right. had a pivotal role and in a very quiet and silent way. And it's really fed you also. So we're, we need to wrap up today. My name is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. I've been talking with my sister, Mary Russell of Boulder, Colorado, about her uh, program, Journeys Out Yonder, and her passion and commitment for um, nature-based education with children. Thank you.